Awesome job. Thank you, brothers. Could it be that second service is going to be more awake than first today? Maybe. Wow. I believe in you guys. I think so. I think we can do it. So first service, I was telling them that I have a toothache. The reason I have a toothache is because it doesn't exist anymore, because they pulled it. So, uh, but I stepped on stage and my pain went away first service. Isn't God awesome? Yeah? So, yes. So I'm ready to go. Ready to rock and roll. Are you guys ready to go and rock and roll? Yeah. All right, good. So let's start with this. Here's the deal. Since God healed me, I think God wants to heal more people. So here's the deal. Everyone just close your eyes. We're just going to pray. And here in a minute, I'm going to ask you to do something. Lord, thank you for taking that pain away this morning for me. And Lord, I know that you aren't done. You want to do more of that. So God, I just pray that your healing anointing would be present in this place right now. Come Holy Spirit. So here's what I want you to do. Out of faith, brothers and sisters, would you just put your, your own hand on the place that needs healing? Just do it right now. Just in faith. Whatever it is that needs healing. And I'm going to pray for you. Jesus, I thank you that you spent three years healing the sick before you spent that one day dying on the cross for us. You were so passionate about restoring us fully. I thank you for that promise. Lord, for everybody who's placing their hand on that sick area right now, Lord God, would you come? Holy Spirit, would you come right now? And would you touch that area? Would you restore that area right now? Lord, I pray for testimonies to come out of this time. Holy Spirit, would you restore our bodies that we might give our praise back to you? Lord Jesus, that you would be the famous one here at SCC. And we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so just to, just to, I just have faith this morning. How about that? So here's the deal. Yeah, here's the deal. If you felt God do something just now, just raise your hand. If you felt God do something on your physical body, hallelujah. Look around, guys. Look around. Isn't our God an amazing God? Look at what he just did here at SCC. Yes. Okay, I can't, you know, I still got to preach after that. So I can do it. Let's do this. So we're going to be in Psalm 91 if you want to start turning there. Have you guys ever been like invited into a situation and you're like, okay, what's in it for me? Have you ever done that? Or maybe you're like applying for a job and, and you want to know first before you actually accept the job, what are the benefits, right? What are the bennies for said job? You ever done that? Anybody? Am I the only one who thinks that way? Okay, good. I'm not the only one. Praise God. I saw one, one honest person here today at SCC. About, about eight of you just got healed, but one of you are honest. All right, cool. <laughs> yeah, what's in it for us, right? We can't help but think about that. And what I love about this psalm that we're about to read, Psalm 91, it actually answers the question, what's in it for us to follow God? There's a, there's a couple things that God really hammers home in Psalm 91, and, and these are, are God's protection and deliverance for us. Amen? 
I love that God protects us. I love that God delivers us. So let's just dig right in to Psalm 91. If you brought your Bibles, fantastic. If not, there's some in the seats right in front of you that you can dig out. We're going to read the entire psalm again together. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers, and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say, the Lord is my refuge, and you make the Most High your dwelling, no harm will overtake you, no disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation." So this psalm, as I was reading it this week and studying it, really caused me to ask three questions, and I want to share those questions, and hopefully we can get them answered together today. How does that sound? Good? The first question that I really wanted to ask, and I felt that, that we might be wondering, is this. Is God able to protect and deliver me? Is God able to protect and deliver me. You see, there's, there's some people who view God as this like distant God who kind of like set things in motion on earth and he's kind of just hands off and what happens, happens, right? Is God able to protect and deliver me? What's really interesting about the first two verses in this psalm is the psalmist uses three different names for God. He calls God three different names. The first is Shaddai, right? We all are familiar with El Shaddai. That means God Almighty. Shaddai just means Almighty. Almighty. The second is uh, Elion, which means Most High. So you got Almighty and Most High. And the final one is Elohim, which means Sublime God or Supreme God in Hebrew. So the psalmist begins very intentionally with three names of God. And I think that's because the psalmist knew that this question would loom as he's talking about deliverance and protection for the saints, for God's people. This question would loom, is God able? Is God able to actually interfere in my life? Is God actually able to intervene and cause protection and deliverance in the personal situations that I have? Almighty, that first word, none more powerful. Think about this. Almighty means that there's nobody who's more powerful than God. Almighty means that there is no situation that God doesn't have the ability to influence. Almighty means that there is no weakness in any area of God's character 
or person. God is absolutely perfectly strong. There's no weakness. There's no place of blindness. God never sleeps. God never slumbers. God never lets down his guard. There is no weakness in God. He is almighty. The second name, most high. It means that there is nobody, there is no one with more authority than God. God doesn't have a supervisor, amen. God doesn't have a manager. God doesn't have a boss. God doesn't have a board of directors. God doesn't have a general who's over him. God doesn't have a president. God doesn't have a congress. God answers to nobody. That means that he is the ultimate authority. He is most high. And sublime God, supreme God. This was written in a day and age where many cultures had several different gods, right? They would worship all kinds of things. They'd worship the sun. They'd worship rocks. They had their own set of gods. Every single culture worshipped a different god than the last. And we look at that today and we say, ah, that's silly. That's ridiculous. We all kind of believe in either one god or no gods, right? Either God is one and he exists or God doesn't exist at all. And we think that's kind of silly, silly talk. But really this idea of God is about idolatry, right? Back then they would build idols. Even the nation Israel would build these golden calf, right? Remember the golden calf story with Moses and Caleb and them? And they worshipped this, this idol, this thing. The definition of idol is anything that you place higher than God in your life. In other words, you make this thing a god. Supreme God, sublime God. It means that there is no gods above our God. There is no God that is greater than our God. Even the idols that we make in our own life. We can make an idol of ourselves, can't we? Sometimes we try to create God in our own image. Instead of recognizing that we're created in his image. We can make money an idol. We can make success an idol. We are very, very talented at making Capital or our lowercase g gods, amen. Relationships, just about anything that's good that God gave us, we can try to make supreme over God. But what this word is saying, sublime God, there is nothing, nothing greater than our God. So he answers the question very soon in this psalm Can God do it? Can God protect? Can God rescue? The answer is a resounding absolutely. Absolutely he can. He is so God. He is so sovereign. He can do whatever it is that he wants to do. Now we get this in the evangelical world. We, we talk about the sovereignty of God. We use these words to describe God, right, that he's, he's omnipotent, he's, he's all-knowing, he's everywhere, he's all-powerful. We understand it, but it really then comes down to the next question where I think we struggle. You ready for it? We get that he can do it, but the second question that I want to answer today is this. God, so you can, but does God desire to protect and deliver me? Does God desire to protect and deliver me? Let's turn to some other scriptures here to help us answer that. If you want to turn with me to Matthew 23, 
I'll pop it up on the, the screen for you as well. But Matthew 23, and we're going to be verse 37. So this is Jesus talking. He's kind of overlooking Jerusalem. And he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were not willing. How often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen. We see this in verse 4 of our psalm, right? That, that God will protect you with his feathers, with his wings. He'll, he'll put you over. Jesus is saying here that he has longed to do this for Jerusalem for a very, very long time. Now, keep in mind at this point, Jesus is like in his early 30s, right? When he was started his public ministry, he's around 30. So he's like 32, 33 years old at this point. But he is not talking as a 33-year-old man. Here we get a glimpse where Jesus is actually talking as the Word, right? In the beginning was the Word. He is talking as God who is on the throne, who is involved in even creation. He's talking about God who saw the entire story unfold from the beginning. How often Jesus saw this and he longed to gather the people. He longed to surround them and protect them. But they were not willing. They were not willing. God is able to protect you. God wants to protect you. But there's this thing about free will. Do you see it? Did you catch it? There's this thing about free will. God wants to do it. God wanted to do it for years and years and years through the history of Israel, yet they were unwilling. He sent them prophets, he sent them messengers, and they killed them. You see, God made us not to be robots. God could have said, you know what? You guys are going to love me. I'm going to just make you and design you that you will love me and you will follow all my commands. He could have done that. He created us, however, to be able to decide that because it's not really love, amen? It's not really love if you don't have a choice in the matter. You can choose to follow him or you can choose to reject him. That's the idea of free will. My daughter has one of those dolls. Anyone with kids here? You know those dolls that you buy at the store and they're programmed to say things? And, and this one particular doll that she has, it, it says all the time, it's like, Mommy, I love you. Mama, I love you. And so my daughter carries this thing around that's telling her that it loves her. And it's calling my seven-year-old mama, which is very terrifying. Right? Yes, okay, good. But this doll doesn't really love my daughter, right? This doll doesn't have a choice. This doll was programmed to say, I love you. So it's not really love, amen? It's just electrical firings taking place. It's just programmed to tell my daughter that. And then, then the batteries run low, right? And say some It's not real love. It's not real love, honey. I'm sorry. If the if the batteries go down, it doesn't love you anymore. It just you, right? God didn't make us like that. God made us where we could choose. And the nation Israel had chose to reject God's ability to protect and deliver them. And so through the history, we see them reject God. Therefore, rejecting the, the things that God had to offer them. And then we see that this is a nation that has been bruised. This nation has taken its lumps. 
Army after army has come against them. Battle after battle. They were even taken into captivity, the nation Israel. All because they didn't recognize and understand that God wanted to, he longed to protect. He longed to deliver them. Let's look in another place that's maybe a little more relevant, a little more modern for us. Let's look at Mark 16. And here we see the Great Commission as it's written out in Mark. So Mark 16, so Jesus is already resurrected and then he's kind of telling the church the mission. He's telling the disciples, here's what your life is going to be like now. So in verse 15, he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Now look what he says in 16 through 18. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up snakes with their hands, and when they drink deadly poison it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. So this is the Great Commission. This is what we're called to do as a church, right? Everybody believes that? We are called to fulfill the Great Commission, to partake, to participate in that, to bring the kingdom of God from heaven to earth. That's our job. So this this call that Jesus gives us comes with two promises. Did you see it? It comes with two promises. The first promise is divine power. You'll lay hands on the sick and they will be healed. We can't do that in our own strength, right? We need the power of God for that. You will, you will cast out demons. You will, you will literally deliver people. That's divine power. You'll speak in new tongues. That's divine power. And the second promise is divine protection. It's divine protection. You'll handle snakes, and they won't harm you. If you find yourself in a situation where you have to drink poison, no harm will come Upon you. Now, to illustrate this today, I brought a box of snakes. Let me come. No, I'm just kidding. We'll save that for next week, right? Next week we'll handle some snakes. Probably not. Okay. I don't foresee Eric doing that. But the point is very simple we get divine protection when we're participating in the divine call. You get the power. And you get the protection. You just got to be participating. Your life just has to be aligned with the mission that God has given us. And then we see this actually fulfilled. We see Paul, right, getting getting bitten by a poisonous snake. And he's just like, I'll be okay. It's no big deal. No, 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 don't even worry about it. And he's just fine. He's, He's okay. He's good. Now, this wasn't just a promise for the early apostles, brothers and sisters. This was a promise for us. Does God desire to protect and deliver us? Absolutely he does. He desires that our life would be the kingdom life, that we'd be bringing the kingdom of God, that we'd be a part of his great commission, and he would equip and empower us, and he would protect us as he sent us out. He says he sends us out as sheep among wolves. Amen. So there's danger So there's real threats out there, but he's going to protect us in the midst of it all. He wants to protect and deliver us. Amen? When I was a a missionary way back, 99, 2000, I I went to Norway, because that's where I knew, I knew God spoke so clearly I was to go to Norway. That was the country I was supposed to be in, and I could not get a visa for the life of me. I was waiting like just, I was on endless hold 
So many times as I would call and try to see, what's up with my visa? Why aren't you giving me a visa? After six months of waiting, I knew it wasn't going to happen, so I just got my tickets because I felt so strongly God wanted me to go. God wanted me to be there. I didn't want to disobey God. So instead of flying into Norway where they check my visa and my my, uh, passport, I flew into Germany, and then I took a train, and I snuck into Norway. Yeah, it was like the most gangster thing I've ever done in my life. (laughs) I just knew that's where God wanted me was to be in Norway. Now, Norway is a socialist country. We're capitalists here, meaning that you can, you have to, uh, you know, so healthcare, for instance, you have to pay for your healthcare here, right? Well, there, it just comes out of your taxes and you get free healthcare. Well, one day I woke up and I didn't have a visa, didn't have a, didn't have uh, the ability or the right to be in that country. And and if, if if it's socialist, that means that I can't pay for health care, and it means I can't receive health care. You with me? Because I'm not legally supposed to be in the country. So I, I wake up one day and and I have this terrible jaw pain, and my my jaw is like I can barely open it. I can't chew food. It's like clenching. It's getting worse. It's swelling. And I recognized very early on in the day that this is going to be a problem. I'm going to have to see a doctor. I don't know if it was an infection or what was going on. The problem is I go to see a doctor. They ask for my papers. I don't have it. They probably would treat me and then deport me, right? And I wouldn't be able to fulfill what God had asked me to do there in Norway. So I was really, really stressed out about it. And one of my friends says, hey, well, let's, let's pray before you do that. Before you go to the doctor, let's just pray and see what God wants to do. Now this prayer that this person prayed over me was one of the weakest prayers. I mean, they didn't use any these. They didn't use thous. There was no old English. They weren't quoting scriptures. It was just a very, very unimpressing prayer. It was like, Lord God, please heal Sean, because I love Sean. And so I'm like, all right, hey, thanks for the prayer. I popped some aspirin. I, lay, I laid down to take a nap. Now, I woke up about an hour later, still hurt, thinking, okay, it's time to go to the doctor. Just suck it up, see what's going to happen. Call mom and dad, pick me up from the airport. I'm getting deported. After about 30 seconds of being awake, something pops in my jaw. It's right here, just, just like a popping. And it sounds kind of like crackling taking place. And and it's loosening up, and I I'm, I'm start moving my jaw around, and I'm able to open it. Within about 30 minutes, there was no pain whatsoever. There was no swelling whatsoever. I had a completely normal jaw. God wouldn't send me to then reject me. God won't ask you to do something and then leave you. If God's calling you, God will equip you, and God will protect and deliver you. Amen? just like he did for me in that moment. So number, question number three that I want to answer. So we know that God can do it. We believe now that God wants to do it. So how do we ensure then God's protection and deliverance over us? How do we ensure it? I mean, we just talked about it a little bit, the Great Commission, right? That promise comes with the Great Commission. If you want God to protect you, you got to align your life with Him. Can I just suggest something? Not everyone in not, not all of you guys are, are called to be a full-time pastor like I am, right? Do you agree? Raise your hand if you feel called to be a full-time None of you. Okay. That was really easy. But can I suggest something? 
you are all called to be in full-time ministry. That is the quietest it's ever been in this church. I wish it, it was like it was like all air, just like nothing, just nothing happening up here. Yes, you're all called to be in full-time ministry. Where did Jesus say, here's what I want you to do. I want you to pick about two or three for every 400 people that you have, and I want you to pay them to go and do the Great Commission. It doesn't say that anywhere in Scripture. Jesus calls all of us to participate in bringing the kingdom of God. Jesus has asked every single one of us to be a part of this great commission. Now, God does call some of us to be the equippers, those who can't do teaches, right? Yeah, I say that about myself. Our job as as the the quote-unquote staff of a church is to equip you guys to do the stuff. Now, here's the best news about that. I'm not telling you that you have to. I'm telling you that you get to. Let me repeat that. I'm not telling you that you have to do it. I'm telling you that you get to do it. There is nothing more fun in this world than when you reach out to somebody and through a a, a prayer or through a word of encouragement or through a prophetic word, or, or through something God gives you, or just connection or relationship, you are used by God to change their life. It is the most dynamic, exhilarating, fun thing that you can ever do. If you haven't tried it, can I encourage you to try it? By the way, it's also commanded of you. So you get to and you got to. How about that? You get to and you got to. And with that comes divine power and divine protection. So how can you ensure God's protection and deliverance? Join in. Join in the fun, brothers and sisters. Listen, if you aren't a part of a ministry here at SCC, become a part of a ministry here at SCC. If nothing else, and even if, would you please just love your neighbors well? Would you reach out? Would you extend beyond yourself and bring the kingdom of God wherever you are? You might not be called to be a pastor, but you are called to full-time ministry in your job, in your family, in your neighborhood, wherever God has you. Amen. The other thing that I think we we can answer this question with, how can we ensure God's protection and deliverance, is to go back to our psalm, Psalm 91, and let's read verses 14 through 16 again. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Check this out. Before the be of because, on verse 14, what do you see? Quotation marks, right? This is a quote. God is actually responding. This psalm, brothers and sisters, is a prayer. The psalmist is praying things out to God that he knows about God's character. You will deliver people from a snare. You will protect our people. You will gather us. You will, you will put us in, in your wing and, and, and keep us safe. And here God is responding And it's in quotes. This begs a question for me, and I hope it begs the same question for you. Is my prayer life 
a monologue or a dialogue? If Psalm 91 is a, is a prayer, we see a dialogue, don't we? We see the psalmist praying, and then we see time for God's response. Is your prayer life a, a monologue or a dialogue? When you pray, do you just go through the list of things? It's like, it's like you call your friend, and you just give them the list of stuff and then hang up, right? My wife has somebody in her life who does this all the time. Even if my wife calls her to tell her something, she'll say, hey, how are you? Oh, well, this is going on. Blah, 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 blah. Just like tells her the entire life, and then I got to go. It hangs up. That's a terrible relationship, right? I tell my wife, why do you call this person? They, do, they don't care. They just want to like dump on you, and that's it. That's what we do with God when we just let our prayer life be a monologue. All we're doing is dumping on God. God, here's what I need you to do today. I need a raise at work. I need Aunt Bessie's toe to be healed. I need, you know, travel mercies, whatever that is, right? I need travel mercies. Uh, amen. Click. Done. Prayer could be a dialogue. Did you know that God wants to talk to you? Did you know that God wants to answer you? Did you know that God's speaking? God didn't, like, shut up at a certain point in history just because the Bible was canonized. God's still talking, brothers and sisters. Why? Because God is relational. There's no such thing as a relationship without communication. If we aren't communicating with God, back and forth, dialoguing with God, we're not really in relationship with him. Some uh, would suggest, a lot of scholars would suggest that Psalm 91 was written by Moses. Now, we don't really know who the author of Psalm 91 is, right? It's just, if you were to, to look in your, in your Bibles at the top, it says author unknown. They think this for a few reasons. One, Psalm 90 was written by Moses, and they think that it was just carrying on. They didn't, they didn't have to put another author. But there's also some other characteristics of this psalm, some language of this psalm that might suggest that it's Moses. Now, it's not really helpful this morning for us to, to argue whether it is Moses or it isn't Moses, but I think it is helpful for us to go back and remember Moses' prayer life. Remember back in Exodus, Moses, what would he do? He would climb the hill of the Lord. He would climb the mountain of the Lord, and he would meet with God in this tent of meeting. And Scripture tells us that he met with God as if face to face. Isn't that beautiful? I love that. I want to meet with God as if face to face. Moses was terrible at leading a modern prayer meeting. Amen? We would fire Moses if he came in as the pastor of prayer or whatever because he would not take a list to God and say, well, here's the prayer list, God, and I'm going to pray all these things and then you need to answer them. Instead, he would take real concerns to God from time to time and then he would wait on God's response. Or, even more radical, sometimes he would go to God and start with listening God, what do you want to talk about today? When's the last time you did that? God, what do you want me to be praying about? Don't you realize that God knows your needs before you ever could even ask? He doesn't ask you to pray so that you can enlighten him of your needs. Why does God ask us to pray without ceasing? 
Because he loves us. Because he wants relationship with us. Because he wants this to be a two-way street. And it can be. So Moses would meet with God. And oftentimes Moses would just shut up and listen. And that's the kind of relationship that touches God's heart. Amen? That's the kind of relationship that he longs for. These beautiful back and forths. These beautiful back and forths. When's the last time your journal included quotes from God? When's the last time you had to use quotation marks in your journal? You can. You can, brothers and sisters. It's okay. No one's going to come and judge you. No one's going to call you a heretic because we believe that God is still speaking today. You with me? And this kind of leads into my last point that I want to make about how do we ensure God's protection and deliverance. God's response and promise of protection and deliverance in Psalm 91 is actually a cause and effect. Do you see that? God says, because he loves me, therefore I will rescue him. There's a cause. Because he loves me, the effect, I will rescue him. Let's go back to our bennies, the benefits. What's in it for me, God? Right? We all love the benefits of God, don't we? We love God's protection. We love that he gives us travel mercies. We love that God is someone who listens to us and heals our heart and does all of these things. But here's my question for you, and this is what I feel God is asking us and was asking me this week. Without the bennies, if I were to take all the bennies away, would you still love me? Let me take it a step further. If there was no such thing as heaven, if the atheists were right, after you die, there's just nothing, would you still love God? If God didn't heal you this morning when you raised your hand and placed your hand on that sick place, would you still love God? Would you love God if there was nothing in it for you? That's a very, very challenging question for all of us, isn't it? Let me put it a different way. How many of y'all have teenagers here? Anybody? A few of you, yes. Yes. So here's a, here's a, a Friday evening scenario that might be very, very real to you right now, okay? Friday after school, after work, everyone's kind of winding down for the evening. Teenager, said teenager comes in, and they want two things. Mom and dad, I want the keys to the car. I want to borrow the car and go out, and I want, a, I want 20 bucks. Give me a $20 bill, right? Sound familiar? Yes? Here's what I want, guys. They walk in, they drop their backpack off, right, kick their shoes off, make a mess, and say, Mom and Dad, I want the car keys, and I want 20 bucks. So, okay, pull out the wallet, the 20 bucks, here's the keys. So, honey, how was your day? Hold up. I want the, the 20 spot, and I want the keys. Ain't nobody got time to tell you about my day, Mom and Dad. You are so rude even asking me. Right? Now, I tried, I pulled this in my house when I was a teenager, okay? And my dad, my, my dad's a pretty shrewd man. So, you know, here's the 20, here's the car keys, Sean. How was your day? 
Dad, I'm in a hurry. I have to meet my friends. Amazing how quickly that 20 spot gets back in the wallet. How quickly those car keys go back in the pocket. Because my dad would recognize and see something. Uh Uh-oh, my son's heart isn't right. Right? My son's heart isn't right. He's missing it. He's missing what's truly important in life. And that's what would happen. Could it be that we treat God like we're teenagers and he's the dad with, the, with all the $20 bills and the cars, the car keys, amen? Could that be the case? It doesn't feel really good when you're the parent and that's what's taking place, does it? You long for a relationship that you felt you once had. You look back, you say, what happened to us? They used to want to crawl up in my lap. They used to want to talk to me. They wanted me, not my stuff. I want to suggest that this could happen with us and God, too. I want to suggest that we can become more enamored with the stuff that God can give us than God himself. And I want to suggest that when that happens, sometimes the 20 spots go back in God's wallet, and sometimes the keys go back in his pocket. Amen. Sometimes God withdraws the benefits even his protection, because we know that he causes all things to work together for, those, for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. That's you and that's me, brothers and sisters. He causes it to work for our ultimate good. And let me tell you, sometimes our ultimate good is the benefits going away so that we can be put back onto our knees where we can hear him. Amen. I know for my own life there have been a lot of times when I was more in love with the things God could do for me or the things God could give me than God himself. One time I decided I was going to ask my daughter, I said, said, Ella, come here. I have some time carved out this evening. Let's go on a daddy-daughter date. Just you and me. Let's, Let's go hang out. I just want to spend time with you. She looks up at me. She says, okay, Dad. Um, What are we going to do? you want to take me to build a bear and buy me a bear? I was like, oh, I'm on to you, sucker. I know what you're doing, right? She's, she's going to use this opportunity where dad has softened his heart, where dad just longs to be with her, longs to spend. She's going to use this to get something. So in this instance, I say, no, honey, I don't think we're going to go to build a bear. We're going to go to the coffee shop, and we're going to drink black coffee, and you're just going to look. No. I said, you're going, to get a, you're going to get a hot chocolate, I'm going to get a coffee, and we're just going to talk. That's what we're going to do. She's like, oh, I don't really want to do that. Let me tell you what would have happened. It would have been a totally different scenario if I would have said, honey, let's go on a daddy-daughter date. And she would have crawled up on my lap and said, dad, I love to. I would love to. We don't get to spend enough time together. I would love to spend time together with you. I'd have took her to Build-A-Bear. <laughs> Amen? I would have taken her to Build-A-Bear. Buy whatever you want, honey, because you touched my heart. You melted my heart because you wanted to spend time with me more than what I could give you. When you seek God's hand, in other words, what he can do for you, sometimes he'll do something for you. You've all experienced that, right? You're in Walmart, you're stressed out, you're rushed, and your kid's like, can I have a toy? And you're just like, whatever, put it in the basket, I just want to go. Sometimes you'll get 
from God when you seek his hand. But when you seek his face, you always get the hand too. When you seek God's hand, sometimes you get it. When you seek God's face, you always get the hand too. This last Friday, I was meeting with a dear brother. And I got to just say, I'm about to brag on myself a little bit. Forgive me, okay? And the reason I'm about to brag on myself is because God has brought me to my knees so many times. God has chipped away at me time after time after time. Because I was seeking this a lot, amen? I've gone through a lot of years of, God, give me more money. God, give me success. God, I, I, need, to be, I need to be recognized in ministry. God, I need, I need, I need, I need, I need. And I forgot about my first love, which was him. The reason I got into this in the first place, I loved God. I loved who he was to me. I loved that I, uh, one day I was like a dead man inside. The next day I'm like, I could experience God. I can feel his presence. So God has brought me to my knees many, many times and chipped away at me. And this last Friday, this brother, he said, Sean, what do you really want from God right now? He asked me that question. And I looked at him and I said, honestly, I just, I just want more of his presence. That's it. I just want more of him. Whatever that means. If that means I'm, I'm flipping burgers, cool. If that means I'm, I'm poor and can barely pay my bills, if, if that means I'm sick, if that means I'm healthy, whatever it means, I just really want more of God. And, and the way this brother looked at me, it was like God was looking at me, and he just smiled. This huge smile of just delight, like, man, what a beautiful place to be in your life. It was like God was smiling at me. And I knew in that moment that I was going to get God's hand. He was going to take me to Build-A-Bear, amen? But you know what? I didn't really care about that. I knew God, I have some major blessings coming. I felt it. I felt like God say that. But I really just wanted his presence. And that's, that's all I, I genuinely care about. Church, I asked God, I said, what, what do you want me to say to this? Just tell me, what does this church need? What does SCC need this week? I felt like God said, they're really busy, Sean. A lot of y'all, we're busy. And we talk to God to help us get through our busyness. We say, God, would you help me? I'm so busy, I'm so busy. Would you help me? Would you help me? Would you help me? And I felt like he was saying, they're just too busy for me. And they're just asking for my hand. He's saying, but what I long for is for them to crawl up in my lap. What I long for is to have a daddy-daughter date or a daddy-son date with them. And I felt like God says, I miss them. God had to chip away, guys. I could tell you some stories. God had to absolutely chip away at me to get me to a place this last Friday. And this wasn't the first time he chipped away at me, amen? I hope it's the last, but probably not. He's probably not done yet. 
He had to do some things to bring me to my knees. My hope and desire for SCC is that he wouldn't have to chip away at you to get you to to desire his presence more than anything else. That he wouldn't have to wreck you to show you that he's left the building, amen? That's my hope, that's my prayer, that's my desire. And I want to invite you today. We're about to watch a video. This is Julie's testimony, our children's director, Julie, of this psalm, and it's beautiful. And you're going to hear her say something where she said, uh, talks about God's presence being so real to her. That's my hope and prayer for this church. Amen. Let's go ahead and watch the video. Good morning, SCC family. I'm so sorry I can't be with you in person this morning, but uh, thank you so much for this opportunity to share a little bit of my testimony. Um, Those of you who were here probably about a month ago, I shared a little bit of the work that my husband and I and our family is doing with the Afghan uh, refugees here in the Springs area. Afghans have had a huge part of our heart for a long time. We uh, served in Afghanistan for many years and just love the people there. And um, I just wanted to share a little bit of my testimony of our time living in Afghanistan and how it relates to the verse that you are uh, reading today in Psalm 91. Our time in Afghanistan was challenging at times, but we always could feel God's presence with us. Many people would ask us, how could you take young children to such a war-torn country? But we would tell them they are safer there in God's perfect will than they would be in a place like here in Colorado Springs. We many times saw God's hand at work in our lives. My husband would go to the internet cafe to send off our emails, and an hour later, it would be bombed and would be no more. Or there's times that we'd be sitting at the kitchen table, eating dinner together as a family, and we'd get a pounding on the door, and it was the Taliban with their machine guns blocking the roads and demanding to come into our home. And I would rush upstairs with our three small children, who were five, four, and two at the time, and I would just read Psalm 91 over them, over and over again, as my husband dealt with the uh, chaos that was happening outside our home. We would return home from Afghanistan, and I was in the hospital for months at a time, having surgery after surgery, um, fighting for my life. And as I was laying there with tubes and wires hanging out everywhere, um, I would have anyone that came into that room read that psalm over me, and talking about his protection, his healing power, and just standing in faith on that psalm, knowing that God was enough. So I just hope, as, and I pray as you read Psalm 91, that that would be something that would minister to your heart as well, that as you read it, you would see God's hand of protection over your life, that you would see his power to heal, his protection, and that it would be something that would minister to you, not only today, but in months and years to come. Last week as we were worshiping together, I think I shared it with one service, but maybe not both. It felt like the Lord said, um, with a sense of delight, 
Eric, what have you brought me this morning? And I, I wish that didn't take me aback, but it did. I, and so, so often as I talk about the communion table, I talk about the, the richness of God's mercy and grace and forgiveness that's available to us, that he delights in giving that to us. I just felt like we should ask that question, what have we brought the Lord this morning? Maybe it's something good. Maybe it's that, maybe it's that soft heart, that, that sense of wanting to listen Maybe it's not as good. Maybe, maybe there's a hard hardness, a agenda, anxiety. But you know, regardless of that, he wants us to bring him those things. Would you pray with me? Lord, to your table. We want to bring to you open ears, open eyes, soft hearts. Lord, would you teach us to be a people who seek your face more so than we seek your hand? Would you teach us to be a people who fully participates? in this love relationship that you're asking us, inviting us to do. So Lord, we, we come bringing what we have and trusting you that you have much for us to receive. Amen. I'd like to invite the elders and pastors forward to serve communion. If you're new here, how uh, we do communion is we have a table or a section for each section of chairs. And at the just a moment, as you feel led, if you would exit to your right, hold on to the elements and bring them back to the seat with you and uh, return to your left. We'd like to hold on and and by the way, we're not legalistic here. If there's a shorter line somewhere else, you can go to that other line, okay? No one will look down on you. So it was the night that Jesus was betrayed. When he took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then he grabbed the cup and pouring it out, he said, this is the cup of my covenant. This is my blood that is poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. you are a follower of Jesus Christ, all is ready. Would you come and partake?
If you haven't yet, whatever you've brought, would you give it to him now? Good or bad? His hands are faithful and good and kind and gracious. He loves us so much. We really don't deserve it, do we? But he loves us so much. People of God, the body of Christ, his precious body broken for you, take and eat. The beautiful blood of Jesus Christ shed for your sins, take Continue to respond and worship through music. Just sing, I know, I know who goes before me. Let's sing this out. Here we go. Oh, I know who goes before me. I know who stands behind. The God of angel armies is always by my side. The one who reigns for So brothers and sisters, this week, would you go on a daddy-daughter date with God or a daddy-son date with the father who loves you so richly, who loves you so deeply, and would you just seek his face? Say, God, I I have need, but I, I really just want you. I promise you that your week will be radically different, amen? I promise you that this week will be a week of refreshment, a week of his presence, and you'll come back next week just ready to celebrate all that he had did. Amen? So go in peace knowing that you do have a father that you can turn to who loves you deeply. God bless you all. We love you. See you next week.